took like a twenty thousand dollar loan, mm. right, from her friend mm. to tide us over this period. Wow. You know, I mean, she could have liquidated some of her assets or whatever, but mm. just to tide us through that period mm. with some liquidity, she had to borrow money. No choice. Welcome to episode two of our modern wealth podcast, right, where we aim to empower, enrich and evolve people's financial lives by inviting absolutely amazing friends and guests of mine uh, who will share with you all the practical strategies on how to improve your wealth, right? So today, I have a very, very, very close friend of mine. You know, we've known each other for... 16 years? Six... Shit! 16 years, right? 16 years, a long time, you know, since secondary school days, right? A friend of mine, you know, his story is amazing. He's one of the top, top financial advisors in the land, Right, and he achieved an exponential growth, right? And he, you know, he's going to be sharing his story, some tips with regards to how he literally went from broke to being a 1%, you know, one, the top 1% in his entire industry, right? And that person is now there, Eddie, right here, right? So, Eddie, can you just in, introduce yourself, just share a little bit about who you are and what you do for a living? Uh, very kind words, Rash. Thank you. Uh, so, I'm a retirement specialist. Okay. I uh, help people to plan for. Uh, you know, early retirement, a mm. comfortable retirement. Um, and uh, I also lead a team of about 10 advisors that um, specialize in retirement planning and legacy planning. Uh, so I represent uh, fin IPP financial advisors. Mm. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Dude, but you know, uh, let's, let's bring it back a bit, right? Let's bring it back a bit, okay? So um, you were, this was not your line this was something that you never thought of doing, wearing a coat and tie. In fact, most of the time you were bare-bodied and you were naked on your Instagram. No, okay, no, not that, but you were mostly bare-bodied on your Instagram and stuff, right? So what did you used to do and what, you know, gave you that switch and everything? Well, uh, bare body is not the right word. Uh, <laughs> let me correct him. Right? It's uh, a different outfit for the stage, right? So I used to be a performing artist nice. in Las Vegas for about two to three years mm. professionally. So I was wow. working in various uh, variety shows and acrobatic shows. Mm. Think of it like, uh, you know, uh, circus shows, kind of mm. like Cirque du Soleil style shows where people are flying around in the air. So the discipline that I actually did was called aerial acrobatics. Wow. So I was one of the aerial artists yeah. in the show. Mm. Wow. So he was a professional acrobat, guys. Like his videos just wowed me. It was crazy. But talk about this period of your life, bro. Like share with them about, you know, what caused the transition. Your dreams was to travel the world to perform. And then what happened and what caused the transition? Right. So, uh, you know, during college in the US, I chanced upon acrobatics, right, uh, recreationally. And then I met some professionals who were doing it at the highest level. Like America's got talent level. They were traveling the world performing the act with their, you know, friends and their partners. So I thought, wow, what, a, what an incredible way to live, right? So it kind of got me really, really look at my life. And when I graduated from college, by the way, I studied finance. Mm. So um, it was a very complete, you know, 180 from what I was pursuing back then. So I packed my bags, I moved to Vegas. You know, I remember my parents, my mom and dad, like driving me there. Um, and so I was in Salt Lake City, we drove to Vegas, which was about six hours away, and I say, I say to myself, now is the best time, right, to uh, take a chance and see how far I can go with this. Mm. Can I become a professional acrobat mm. and make a living, you know, traveling the world, uh, you know, pushing my physical and mental limits and creating an act that is so, you know, uh, 
beautiful and beyond my own imagination and beyond every uh, you know the human minds mm. right so so back then I kind of like moved on uh, moved away from the pursuit of material wealth and I thought if I could just do what I love I'll be really happy even if I was only making maybe you know four thousand a month or whatever mm, mm, mm. the amount was just enough to survive mm. and just be truly happy because I spent my time doing what I'm passionate about mm. right so I took that leap of faith uh, I risked everything basically and moved to Vegas I did that for about two years plus you know and it was really tough in the beginning because uh, it's a very competitive market right there's a lot of artists from around the world from China from Russia from Ukraine from America you know France I had you know a chance to learn from them but it also it also meant that the uh, there were so few roles for acrobats around the world especially in the in the big roles right or in the in that specific discipline that I was trained in which is to be an uh, aerialist and usually the aerialist is like the pony of the show like mm. the show pony right so there are only very few roles for aerialists but there are like hundreds of you know former olympians or former national gymnasts mm. who are so who have worked all their life mm. 10 20 years of their life right to fight for this opportunity mm. right so my coach for example was a national gymnast uh, representing ukraine wow. many years ago Shit. and then when he retired he became an aerial acrobat wow. right and he's traveled the world and performed for like the last probably 15 years okay yeah Dude, you so, were among the best, dude. Literally, and, and you barely had, what, one, two years of experience? Like, around... Well, I had a late start, yeah. right? So, uh, by the time I moved to Vegas, I probably have practiced for about four years already, okay. right? Because okay. throughout my uh, college, I was practicing, okay. right? Three years, uh, yeah. So, before be Vegas, it was four years of practice, three, four years. Yeah. But you're talking about these guys who have practiced since they were kids. Yeah, so it started probably like, you know... In, in, five uh, years old or something, right? Yeah. The diapers, they probably started, right? <laughs> Shit. Uh. So I had a late start. I started around age 22, 23, which is a really late start to learn acrobatics, right? But thankfully, uh, you know, the, the learning curve was very steep, but I was able to uh, pick up, you know, things along the way. I always had an athletic background, right? Mm. So it's not, not completely foreign of to course. me. But even if you're a strong, uh, you know, uh, gym rat, it doesn't mean that you can do... There's a different set of things. muscles, man, dude. Yeah, so muscles body you never awareness. worked before your neck and <laughs> yeah, I have a pretty strong neck as you know. Yeah, so um, you know it, it forces you to use your body in different ways in a very holistic, uh, coordinated way, in an artistic way, right? So uh, the foundation that I had in athletics, being a rugby player, running, cycling, and swimming, all those helped a little bit. Uh, but there was so much more that I had to, uh, you know, other attributes that I had to develop. Yeah, so. Uh, flexibility, balance, agility, mobility, mm. coordination, you know, counting music. So these were all very new to me. Mm. Uh, but I would say in the first one year in Vegas, it was a huge struggle because I was still building my act, mm. right? So basically your act is like your four-minute show mm. on stage. Mm. But to create this four-minute piece, mm. you've got to work a lot. Like, you know, yeah, basically it takes a long time to build a solid act, mm. right? So my first year, I was just basically building the act. It was only in my second year that I started getting a breakthrough, mm. right? I started getting booked for uh, events and for shows and even for traveling mm. uh, corporate gigs, mm. right? Mm. Uh, so the first year, basically, I was just getting by. Mm. I was doing whatever odd job that I could find, right? From being a club promoter to becoming an online casino dealer, mm. like dealing cuts, wow. right? To working at the, uh, a corporate office in the audit department yep. for... Uh, which I didn't last for very long. Mm. I was let go after two weeks. Yes. And then, uh, yeah, even working in nightclubs, wow. right? So I did whatever I had to do to survive, to fund my lifestyle. 
just so that I could, you know, keep going and pursue my passion of being a professional aerialist. So, so I never asked you this question before, but I, you know, so to, fast forward today, right? Like we haven't gone through the story, but fast forward today, you are one of the top financial advisors in the land, right? What were some lessons that, uh, or takeaways that you got from that, that life in Vegas that is very directly applicable to what you're doing today? Mm. Right, great question. So I think, you know, in whatever pursuit that we do, if you have the personality traits that help you to pursue excellence mm. in that trait, whether it's acrobatics or canoeing mm. or, you know, uh, you know, let's just say marathon running or whatever it is, mm. the same traits can be channeled to another domain or another pursuit. Mm. And that, those same traits will also take you to a level of excellence mm. if it is channeled in the right way with the mm. right guidance. What are the traits uh, that were applicable for you? Okay. So, definitely a discipline is one of the top one. Discipline. Right, consistency, kind of interlinked to it. Day in, day out. Day in, day out. It doesn't matter whether you're seeing results or not, right? You keep putting in the, the grind. You put in the effort, mm. right? And if you look at yourself a month ago, mm. right? Three months ago, you will see some significant difference. But within a few days, you might not see much difference, mm. right? But whether you're feeling shit or feeling good, you still got to turn up to your practice. You got to put in your hours, right? Whether it's four hours a day or six hours a day, whatever it is, right? And you just aim to do a little bit better than the day before. Mm. So that's what I call being 1% better every day, mm. right? And when you compound that over a period of, uh, say, a year, mm. the transformation is vast. Mm. Because I will always review my videos from, you know, back then as, an, as, a, as a performer, my videos from the previous show or the previous year. Mm. And I could see massive, massive improvement with every new challenge, every new show that I did, mm. you know, with time passing. Yeah. What else? Anything else? Getting better every single day? Discipline? Well, so... I guess the showmanship element that I, you know, developed mm. does help me in my role as a salesman now mm. in some ways. Because you uh, selling a service or a, a product or during an appointment, right, mm. is basically putting on a show, yep. right? You've got the introduction, you've got the middle and the, the conclusion mm. or the call to action, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. So uh, back then I had to promote my own um, you know, my work as well mm. through digital marketing, through, um, you know, video reels. You've got to capture someone's attention in 30 seconds mm -hmm. or in five seconds, right? You know, so I learned some of the things from there of being a showman, mm. which I then applied towards uh, my current role mm. as an advisor because ultimately an advisor is a sales role, a mm. client-facing role where I'm, you know, telling them a story, Mm. Yeah, it's really telling a story, right? So my job now is to tell the right stories to the right people mm. as many times as possible, mm. right? So if I tell the right retirement story or the legacy story to a high net worth individual mm. who is in their 50s or 60s, <clears throat> right? That is where uh, we are very good at. Mm. But if I told the same story to a 30-year-old, mm. it won't make sense to them, mm. right? So being able to tell a compelling story in a way that is easy to digest and that's mm. impactful. Mm. I think those, those are some of the traits that I probably picked up from my performing days. You know, the movie that's coming to my mind, brother, is yeah? The Greatest Showman. 
All right. Dude, one of, one my, of my favorite favorites. movies, bro. Dude, that inspired the shit out of me. I love it so much. I think it ranked probably one of the top five movies, right? Talk about the circus, the greatest showman. Dude, it made me so emotional as well, that movie. I love it, man. You I'm know, curious I'm sure to hear about your second or third, if that's one of your top five. Wolf of Wall Street, okay. right? That's another one. On that. You know, a Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> right, completely off, right? But Greatest Showman was amazing. Sorry, but but really, really, right? Like you know, the, if you watch that movie before, you know, so many traits with regards to putting on a show, doing whatever it takes, where nobody showed up, you still show up, and you put in that work day after day, and then you create the greatest damn show in the world, right? Like, oh man, dude, I'm getting chills, man. Anyway, actually, I cried. I remember seeing that show the first time yeah. with about eight of my circus yeah. acrobatic you did. friends. Exactly. I did, in the uh. theatres. And I was literally crying. And I, it's so rare for me to cry. Mm. Right? I don't know, for the past 10 years, I may have cried three times. Yeah. Right? So this was one of the times that I actually teared. And I can, I can I imagine, saw, bro. I saw so much uh, of, you. of myself yes. in the, you know, I forget the lead actor's name, but... Hugh Jackman. Yeah, Hugh Jackman, yes. yes. So there was so much resilience mm. and conviction and perseverance mm. that he displayed mm. you know to bring the show uh, to life mm. because he went through many challenges mm. right um, so yeah I agree with you one of my favourite shows you know, you know one of my favourite shows ever I actually you know very rarely do I do like a video like a movie outing kind of thing right so I, I too brought a whole bunch of my friends to come and watch the show together really? it's actually you know with a whole bunch of uh, some of my friends kids so I brought them to my house to actually watch The Great Ocho? Showman. This was, you were oh, not in Singapore, bro. <laughs> right, but beautiful movie. I, I love it so much. Okay, bro, so, so um, let's, let's fast forward a bit, right? You were in this position where you had barely $1,000 in your bank account. Right? I hit that point, yes. This was that lowest point where you came back from the US. You didn't know what to do. You were, you know, blank. You look at your bank account. You didn't have a place to stay. Actually, I think I had about $3,000. Okay, a couple of thousand dollars, right? But you didn't have a place to stay, right? You hardly had any, uh, anyone around to support you and everything, uh, you know, and you made a decision, right? And tell us about that change and, you know, what was it like to be at that bottom, you know, of your, of your story? Right. Um, yeah, I'm glad you, you brought this up, right? Because I think how you handle difficulties actually define who you are, mm. right? So back in 2019, mm. Right, just before COVID hit Singapore. So I was forced to come back mm. without notice and I landed in Changi. I didn't have a place to go because mm. my entire family was out of the country. Mm. Right? My brother was in Canada and my mom was in Myanmar. So as you know, I know my family back then, they were living in Myanmar. Um, so I had to call up some friends and say, hey, can I crash at your place? You know? And that was one of the most humbling moments in my life because I was prepared to sleep at Changi Airport for a night. If mm. I didn't get a, you know, a option, an offer in time. And that's also one of the most broke points in my life. But six months later, when Circuit Breaker happened, that's when the real, uh, the, the, you think, that, you know, you already hit the rock bottom, right? But actually got lower. Mm. So I flew to Canada, right, with the little money that I had and some support from my family. And I went there for another three to four months of training. Mm. Right, to seek coaching from some of the best acrobatic coaches in the world because Cirque du Soleil headquarters is there. Right? So I stayed there in the blistering cold winter for about three to four months. Mm. And because COVID reached Canada, mm. right, I was forced to come back. This Your time, shit, voluntarily, I came back. Right? But it was the last flight 
leaving Montreal uh, to Singapore. And when I arrived in Singapore, this time my brother was around, so I mm. could stay at his house, but I literally had less than a thousand dollars, right? Uh, and I was so lost. Like, it just, I just felt like the whole you know, floor underneath has been taken away because there was no more jobs in the entertainment industry. Mm. All the shows were closed, mm. right? And I have not done any other job for at least two and a half years. Mm. Right? I haven't done a corporate job or some kind of uh, you know, regular job, right? So I didn't have any experience so-called. I was very rusty, let's mm. say, right? And so disconnected. And coming back to Singapore, all of a sudden, I didn't have the social network that I could leverage on, mm. right? Uh, and being circuit breaker, everybody was very isolated as well. Mm. So that was one of the toughest moments for me, right? And I stayed in my brother's spare room. He had an extra bedroom in the HDB, right? So I stayed there for like a good two to three months. And I just, you know, kind of really, I think I got depressed probably, right? It was a very depressive episode. So I didn't exercise for like a month almost because I was like, ah, what's the point? Right, you, what's the point of being in such good shape mm. if I couldn't, uh, you know, Perform, be an acrobat, yeah. right? It was, yeah, I, I was just in uh, such a dark space, right? So that was kind of the end of one chapter, mm. but the beginning of another exciting one, right? So I took that time to go and pass my exam papers, mm. right? To get my license, to be licensed by MAS, to become a financial licensed financial advisor. advisor, right? So I took that two months, passed all my exams, and I started my new chapter in June, uh, July actually, July of 2020. Mm. So that was about three years ago. Mm. Yeah. Crazy, man. Dude, so, okay, you know, decided to take that step. You know, why not try something new, right? Just, uh, just maybe a short one, bro. For somebody who's out there pursuing their passion, their dream, right? Their life's goal. Cirque du Soleil performer, I want to be the best of the best, right? But to come to terms to say, you know what, I think I need to close this chapter. How is it like and how do you make the decision, man? Oh, this, this one is a really tough one. Um, so it took me about six months hmm. to finally come to terms with the reality of my life. Right? I was in denial for a good three to six months, right? Because I was not ready to give it up yet. I hmm. thought maybe if I just push a little bit more, hmm. if I, you know... Uh, did another audition or you know another door opened my life could you know, break through again mm. right because I actually represented Singapore at the International Circus Festival mm. which is one of the well it was the first time a Singaporean was represented mm. you know at this festival in Vietnam mm. and is in this region is a rather um, you know prestigious opportunity mm. so I thought you know I just needed to push a little bit more right but I realized that uh, reality was not quite matching up with my, you know, plans. Mm. And I had a mentor, I, have a, I had a life coach back then, mm. right? His name is Sean, mm. who would constantly check in with me, mm. right? Virtually on, uh, you know, Zoom or, or on uh, WhatsApp to, to see how I was doing. And then mm. he pointed out to me that, hey, Eddie, look, um, you know, it's all good what you're doing, you know, you're passionate and doing something you love, but think, put yourself in the shoes of the 40-year-old Eddie, right? How would 40-year-old Eddie look at you and 
perhaps, you know, some of the things that I was doing back then was not going to make the 40-year-old Eddie happy mm. because I wasn't really setting myself up for, you know, a, a future, you know, a future of freedom and security and abundance. Uh, it, I was thinking more short-term, like short-term gratification. I just wanted to be happy in the moment, mm. right? So I didn't have this Freedom Fund back then, mm. right? So the Freedom Fund is basically a nest egg or, you know, a, a portfolio that will give you monthly dividends yeah. to sustain your lifestyle so that you're financially free, which means you're no longer dependent on your employment or your job of course. to pay for your lifestyle. So back then, I didn't, I didn't have this. So my so-called freedom mm. was limited and it had an expiry date. Mm. So I came to realize this, right? But what if I have, let's say, a million dollar, mm. right? That will pay me 6% a year mm. conservatively, right? So that's 60,000 a year of passive income, 5,000 a month. Mm. If I had 5,000 a month, it was more than enough to cover my lifestyle back then, mm. right? I just lived very simply. Mm. So it became my mission, my mm. life mission, to build my own personal freedom fund, okay. right? Because once I reach that goal, right, then I can really just do whatever I want mm. because I'm no longer dependent on the work that I do, mm. active employment to sustain myself and my mm. family, right? Um, so that became my next mission, which then, uh, you know, brought me to make that a mission to help 100 families every year or 100 individuals every year in mm. Singapore to do likewise. Mm. Because since I've picked up all the knowledge and the skills to build my own journey, why don't I just you know, share that and replicate that for people that I get to work with, people that Beautiful. I care about. Amazing. Yeah. So let's talk about this, uh, this next part, which is very, very important, right? So you went from <clears throat> barely having anything Zero experience in industry, right? July 2020, and in less than a year, you hit, you know, TOT, right? So for those of you who don't know, TOT is one of the highest ranks, uh, you know, accolades you can actually achieve in uh, the financial industry, right? Like one year, people tell me it's impossible, it cannot be done. Like first year, just aim for MDRT, very good, let me clap for you, right? But you hit TOT, how, how dude, how, man? Um... So, so, for the sake of um, you know, some of our audience who may not be very familiar with the terms, let me just put it into context. Mm. So, MDRT is basically an advisor who takes home about you know 100k a year, mm. right? So, basically, the benchmark is 80k. If you take mm. in more than 80k of commission a year, you're considered MDRT. Okay. Right now, there's a second tier which is core of the table yep. or COT for short. It's somebody who takes home about 240k a year, mm. right? Then you're considered a COT qualifier. Mm. Now, the third and highest tier is the top of the table. Right, so if you take home at least about 430k a year, wow. then you are considered um, a, you know, top 1% in the industry globally, mm. and they call you TOT. Mm. Right? So these are just terms that we throw around yeah. uh, to give ourselves some you know, uh, benchmark. Mm. Yeah. So to give uh, a bit more accurate picture, my first six months was a struggle. My first six months as a financial advisor. In fact, my average net income in the first six months was less than a thousand a month. Wow. Right? It was hell. I was this close to quitting and joining a bank, right? One of the local banks. And the, the bank offered me, mm. right? So I was this close. So the how it works is in our industry, right? You've got the financing, the, your, your allowance scheme or your mm. financing scheme, right? That pays you a monthly salary of your choice. Mm. You can choose whatever tier you want. Is it, do you want 2,000 a month? You know, 4,000 a month, right? And with every tier, there mm. is an uh, expectation from you mm. that you have to hit a sales target. 
So if you hit the sales target, it will unlock your allowance mm. for the month, right? And so on, right? And it's kind of accumulative. But if you don't hit the sales target, right, this allowance is not unlocked. Mm. And you don't get it, okay. right? Um, so in my first FA, right, Independent Financial Advisor platform, I was on such a scheme. Mm. So I chose to be on 1500 a month, mm. right? And if I close cases and bring in business, I get commission on the business and mm. I also unlock the 1500 mm. okay? Mm. So in the six months, right, my average net income was less than 1000 a month. Mm. Can you believe it? Wow. It was worse than my artist days. At least as an artist, I was averaging about three to four k a yeah, month, exactly. you know. And now I was making less. I was like, huh. I came into sales to you know make the big bucks and yeah. change my life. Yeah. And now I'm like struggling. I can barely eat at hawker center. Mm. And the auntie and uncle, you know, the cleaners at Maybe the hawker more. center for us, uh. have, they had a higher net income than me, right? Mm. So I was like, wow, something has to change. So, um, what was my point? It was a massive struggle. Mm. It was not smooth sailing at all. Sure. And I think any sane person mm. would, have quit. would have quit by then. For sure. Right? But it, I don't know. For me, I just realized I needed to change my environment. Okay. My business model was not working. Okay. Right? And the business model of the first agency oh. did mm. not fit me. Okay. And perhaps I didn't have the right guidance or the mentor that could, you know, bring out the 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 best version of me. Okay. Right. So it was uh, a very difficult decision for me to make, but I took the leap of faith to leave the FA and join another FA. Okay. And this time with no base salary. Wow. Right? Which means I declined the bank's offer. Uh-huh. By the way, the bank offered me three thousand mm. a month mm. and another three hundred dollars in allowance. Mm-hmm. So it's like three thousand three hundred, right? And yeah. if you really overperform, they'll give you some commission. Wow. So Net net, you will make about four to five k a month in the neighborhood brunch wow. at Tiong Bahru. Wow. back then I was living in Tiong Bahru, right? So you got to be in the office. I mean, in the bank, five and a half days a week, yeah. nine to six, yeah. and you got to hustle like a you know a corporate slave basically. Sure. Sure. And you only make four to five k a month. Mm-hmm. So I say no. Mm. I took the leap of faith. No basic salary, no problem. I told my mom, mom, please give me another six months, mm. right? And I will figure out. I'll make this work. I think, I believe it was possible, right? Because I met a mentor and a platform that I believed in, which had a massive concentration of top producers, mm. right? Which is actually located in this very building of sure. your office. Yeah, so I met my mentor who changed my life mm. and his name is Ivan. Mm. So with his guidance, I was able to make a massive breakthrough, mm. right? So in the first 12 months mm. under his guidance, mm. in the second FA firm, mm. I hit my first TOT. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. So it's just a change of environment. Bro, going back to the story, bro, what made you say, you know, to take that risk after risk after risk, right? Like, you know, was that, is that something embedded in you, like since your acrobat days? Like, you know, to, to, to say no to something that was a stable paycheck and to take another risk and go now this time with no salary as, as well. Like, shit, man, dude. You're not young at that point of time already, right? Not exactly. I was 29? Yeah, exactly, right? So, like, tell us about that, bro. Is that something that's embedded in you? What's your beliefs about taking risk? 
an amazing, crazy story from Eddie on how he literally went from nothing to being the top 1%. If you've liked this video so far, make sure you give it a thumbs up. You know, comment down below. Let us know what you would love to hear more about from Eddie or from any of our, any of our other guests as well. And make sure you subscribe to the channel. So tell me, man, so what made you keep taking the risk again and again, even though there was a stable option available? All right. Um, well, you know, I think it was a little bit easier for me because I had nothing left to lose. Right. I didn't have a family to support, so I didn't have any liabilities or responsibilities, which was a conscious choice, by the way, right? Mm. I didn't want to start a family early. Number two, I didn't have any loans or scholarships to pay off, mm. right? Because I, thankfully, I had a scholarship to get me through college from the college itself, right? There was a mm. foundation that donated to the school. Mm. So when I graduated, I was debt-free. Mm. I think that's one of the most important uh, defining, you know, factors of my post-college experience mm. because I was debt-free. Mm. A lot of American students, for example, and perhaps some Singaporean students, they may have student loans and debts to service right mm. after college. Yep. There's an immediate pressure for them to make financial returns, mm. right, to start paying that monthly mm. installment. So I didn't have that, right? Mm. And my lifestyle was very simple, right? I kept it simple. It was a conscious choice again, right? I would do meal preps. I would wear very basic clothing and keep wearing the, you know, I'll wear plain stuff so it's easy to match. Mm. So I kept my lifestyle very simple to make sure that my so-called burn rate mm. or my, you know, my, I was very low maintenance, right? So that I could be free to pursue whatever I wanted to pursue. Mm. So I guess, you know, th those three things helped. Uh, but I think it's also a characteristic or, you know, a personality trait that I've developed over the years mm. because I knew that whatever I set my mind to, I will find a way to make it work. Fantastic. It will work out, right? It may not be in your own timing, right? But it will eventually work out if you, you know, just figure out how. Mm. So I was willing to do that with acrobatics mm. uh, when I took the leap of faith and moved to Vegas, mm. you know, with very little in my pockets. Mm. And in fact, if I go back to my childhood, right, when my family packed, our bags from Myanmar and moved to Singapore and started from like all over, you know, from mm -hmm. zero again and started to, for me to even learn English, mm -hmm. right? English was my second language. Exactly, man. Crazy. Right? And being able to do well enough to go to a decent school, right? Uh, so th I guess that was also another defining experience for me mm -hmm. is how do I, you know, figure everything out, mm -hmm. start all over again, right? So even if I'm broke and if I'm thrown into another country or if I move to another city, mm -hmm. How can I use my resources and the skills that I have to rebuild my life? Fantastic. You know, one thing that I feel very passionate about, bro, was what you mentioned with regards to taking the necessary risk, especially when you're young and when you have no liabilities, right? Like this wouldn't be something maybe a working mother could afford to do. Absolutely not. Right? Yeah. But, you know, the importance, you know, if you're watching this, you're young, right? Like, are you taking the necessary risk? to achieve that dream life that you want. I think that's so important. The time is ticking, right? And you've got to do it. Right? You told yourself, you know, you told your mom, six months, mom, I've got to make it work, right? There was that time, that time ticking as well for you to make it work, which was yeah. fantastic. And Dude, I believe all of that. She took like a $20,000 loan, mm. right, from her friend mm. to tide us over this period. Wow. You know, I mean, she could have liquidated some of her assets or whatever, but mm. just to tide us through that period mm. with some liquidity, she had to borrow money. Wow. You know, wow. to pay for my iPad, to pay for my white shirt, and 
for my monthly uh, you know lifestyle needs. Wow, wow, yeah. crazy man. And there today, was no choice. Yeah, and exactly, you know, and right now, you know, you've retired a mom and everything as well, which is fantastic, right? So, you know, I'm so happy for you, bro. So one final question to wrap it up. For any person who's like, you know, Rash, uh, Eddie, I feel so inspired. I want to be like that, right? I want to achieve a career breakthrough. I've been stuck at this plateau. I really want a career breakthrough. I want a financial breakthrough. What are some actionable things that they have to do, uh, in your opinion? Give me three things that, uh, you know, actionables. Hmm. Well, this is what works for me, right? Sure. It may not work for everybody. But I would say, uh, learn about sales, number okay. one. Okay. Because sales is an incredible career hmm. where there is, you know, unlimited earning power absolutely right you can break through in a six months or in a year right it's not about how many years you've been in the industry mm. it's about the pro the results that you produce right your kpi is very uh, clearly defined so if you put me against another advisor who's been in the industry for 20 years right i am on equal footing with this guy mm. as long as i can deliver the results mm. so it is the greatest equalizer especially if you come from you know not not a privileged background so number one, learn sales. Mm. Number two, find a mentor, mm. right? Mentors, uh, they're abundant, they're out there, right? You just got to find the right one for yourself. Mm. Um, and it's because they can shortcut your learning curve, mm. right? They have done what you want to do mm. multiple times. Mm. And so if you seek, out, seek them out and follow their strategy and the journey that they have taken, it will drastically reduce the amount of time required for you to replicate the same results, mm. right? And of course, you've got to show sincerity to be a deserving mentee. Of course. Right? And show the eagerness to learn and the, the ambition or the hunger, right? And I'll say third is the 1% better every day. You know, just, so as I was telling you, I just remember the pen oh. that I use oh. for every single case that is signed mm. has the words engraved on it. Wow, 1% 1 better? 1% better every day. Wow. Right? So, for sure, it's just 1% better. Mm. So, I think that constant personal development is key. Mm. And that could be in communications, it could be in how you dress, mm. or how you, know, how you uh, health. present health. You know, you're a mm. great role model of that. You know, mm. you being in shape and taking part mm. in bodybuilding mm. shows, yeah. even when you don't have to, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just like something that you do yeah. to become the greatest version of yourself, absolutely. right? or uh, whether it's in your religion, your faith, or uh, you know, social relationships, everything. everything. We, we just focus on getting a little bit better and improving that incremental gain, yep. right? Which, when you compound it, mm. is massive. Absolutely. Yeah. So learn sales, yep. find a mentor, get 1% better every day. Fantastic. Brilliant, man. Thank you so much for sharing that. So tell me, Eddie, so uh, we talked about, you know, you talked about that freedom fund that you really, did you have it, right? And at one point of time, you didn't have it, right? So what exactly is the freedom fund and how can people start to grow it? I'm glad you asked, Resh. Um, so, you know, it's actually a lot more realistic mm. than we think. Uh, and if you have a strategy, you know, a, a system, it's very, very realistic to achieve in 10 or 20 years or even five years right, for some. So the idea is very simple. Why did I mention a million dollar earlier? It's because based on my lifestyle, you know, let's say I want 5,000 a month, which means I need 60,000 a year, right? And if you look at most of the income generating instruments in the market, in the financial markets, six to 8% is the realistic target, right? Mm -hmm. So using 6% 6 as a benchmark, I need a million dollar portfolio, right? So first you got to figure out what is your freedom fund number, mm -hmm. the dollar amount. So for me it's a million dollar, 60K a year of income, 
5,000 a month of monthly uh, passive income, right? So, so let's say a million dollar is our you know, benchmark in this example. It, for somebody else, it may be three million. Mm. Someone else, it may be half a million, right? So let's use million dollar, for example, right? And say you have, uh, you're 30 right now, right? And you want to retire by 50 or 55. That's a good 20 to 25 years runway for mm. you to build up this freedom fund, sure. right? So this is something on top of having paid off your house mm. and other assets, mm. right? So say you earn 10K a month, right? Are you able to set aside 20% of it mm. or maybe 30% of it mm. for your future? Mm. You should, yep. right? Because one day we may stop earning Get if we are you know, retired or if we stop working, mm. right? Or if we become obsolete. Yep. So it's a very uh, you know, reasonable and sustainable amount to set aside, let's say 20 to 30% of your current income, mm. right? To build up this nest egg for your future, okay. which will free you from uh, you know, the corporate world or whatever job that you do. So the idea is very simple. Let's say if you just keep the money in the bank, mm. right, and the saving rate only give you about 1%, mm. the interest is 1%, mm. right? It will take you 72 years mm. to double your money, mm. which is a freaking long time. It's mm. like almost our lifetime, Absolutely. right? But if your fund, if your savings can grow at, let's just say 8%, yep. okay, then... 8 times 9 is 72. So every 9 years, mm. your money will double. Mm. Right? So that's a rule of 72. It's mm. an easy way to calculate how long it takes to double your money. Mm. Right? So now let's say, let's just say, if I can generate 10% for you, mm. that means in about 7 year plus, mm. your money will double. Yep. You yep. get the idea, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so if, I, if my goal is to generate a million dollar down the road, let's say in 20 years, mm. if I only grow my money at two to three percent mm. in the in the fixed deposit mm. or in some insurance saving plans mm. it will take me about 5k a month mm. to reach my goal mm. okay these are just estimated numbers yeah 5k a month it may not be realistic for the average singaporean especially mm. somebody in their 30s who just was still in their mid-career right but let's say if you can sustainably generate about 10 percent mm. right then you only need to set aside about 2K a month, mm. which becomes a lot more realistic and accessible Absolutely. and sustainable, right? Yep, yep, yep. I mean, 2K is you know, uh, it's a sizable amount still, but it's a lot more uh, affordable mm. for the average person. So basically, if you compound 2,000 a month right, for 20 years at a compound rate of 10%, mm. you will reach a million dollar. Mm. Mm. Right? Beautiful, beautiful. So that's what we specialize in doing. Mm. So if you are interested to learn more about some of the wealth accumulation strategies, I'll be happy to have a chat. Thank you so much, Eddie, for coming down today, for sharing so many valuable insights with our audience. I really, really, truly appreciate it, bro. Right, dude, can you just share with them, you know, how can they look out for you? Like, how can they find you on social media or whatever not? Um, on Instagram, Facebook, if you just look up uh, Acro Asian, I do acrobatics mm. and clearly Asian. So if you just look up Acro Asian, you'll find me on most channels. Fantastic. Drop me a hello, you yep. know, and start a conversation. I'm pretty, you know, happy to chat. Acro Asian on Facebook, Instagram, go and check him out. Right, do follow him. And most importantly, I think my biggest takeaway was creating that freedom fund. Right? As in starting that freedom fund as soon as today is super important. And if you want to know exactly how to, there is nobody in the world I recommend better than Eddie. Right? So make sure you guys go and follow him. Uh, thank you so much for watching this episode, guys. I hope you guys found extreme extremely valuable content and you know insights from this interview right make sure you like comment 
and subscribe to the channel. Thank you very much. Till our next episode. Bye, guys. Thank <music> you.